0: As you are grabbing a seat, Philippians chapter four is where we're gonna be. Philippians four, if you don't have a Bible, feel free to grab a Bible off one of the tables or the bars located around around the room, Philippians chapter four. We are nearing the end of our journey in this book that we've been in. This week and next week, we're going close it, to close it out together. I want to open just by, by reading the Word of God uh, over us, what we're going to be looking at together this morning. Y'all doing all right? Doing okay? I'm good, Hunter. Thanks for asking. Um, I say that. Sometimes I hate when I ask that question, and then I'm like, what if you're not doing good? That's okay, too. Like, genuinely, um, no matter where you find yourself this morning, um, heart alive, so happy to be here, or heart running on fumes and you just desperately need something to breathe life into you. Like, you're in the right place. Um, not because we're awesome, like because we're an awesome church, but because God's awesome, he's amazing. Um, and he, he is the one um, that is here, it's in our midst. He's the one that even as we were worshiping, I was like, God, Jesus, like, thank you for meeting us in, in all of our brokenness, wherever we are, um, to just meet us right where we find ourselves. He's so faithful to do that, and I know he wants to do it again this morning. So no matter what you come in here carrying, man, I'm glad you're here. Um, I believe God's gonna show up. So Philippians chapter four, let's read verses one through nine together. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you are, whom I love and I long for, my joy and crown. Stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Yodia and plead with Sintich to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my coworkers, whose names are in the book of life. All right? That's it. That's all we need this morning. Am right. Like Philippians chapter four, the, I, what, I, what I would argue just the pinnacle of Paul's heart to this church that he loves so much. My wife Keila and I, we have some, some mentors of ours. It's one of the ways that we just love to learn about what it looks like to live life, to parent. Um, I encourage you, if you don't have a mentor, if you don't have someone to look up to, just start putting yourself around people that you respect and you admire. But there's there's a couple who, some friends of ours, who have just a a few years ahead of us in life, in a different life stage. They have kids who are now adults who have kids of their own. And I love just learning and watching them because there's just all this wisdom and I'm gleaning from them. And one of the things that's just hit me recently is watching the way that, even with their, I have small kids and I understand like what it means to have a heart that just loves them. But they have adult children now. And I'm watching them just long for the best in their adult children. For for some of you, like you can think about the, the ways that maybe your parents are still even doing this as you get into the life of adulting. And I'm watching particularly the the wife in particular, particularly the wife in particular. Um, Very particularly, I'm looking at her and I I love seeing the way she just gives her whole heart to wanting the best for her kids. And and at the the core of it, what what I think I'm witnessing is someone who sees what's available for them and, and, and desires it. She, she, she knows like, oh, the, the best of life in God is available. And so they're in the midst of a hardship and oh, she feels that hardship. She sees that inner turmoil, that inner part of their story that, that maybe isn't quite at peace with, with the circumstances. And she longs to do anything that she can to, to rearrange the circumstances, to, to come alongside of them. One of her kids was walking through a really difficult parenting situation. And, and I think the healthiest way possible came alongside of her daughter and didn't just say, hey, I'm going to be praying for you. She said, hey, how, how can I walk with you in this? Like, because I, I, I want the fullness of life for you. I want the goodness of life for you. So she sought out resources for her daughter. And I'm, I'm she's telling me this and I'm like, wow, that's Really amazing. She's like, Yeah, so I bought this book to kinda of help them navigate the waters and then, then she said, I didn't just buy the book for her, I bought a copy for myself and we're reading it together. And I'm like, Wow, like to have someone that cares so deeply about the flourishing and the goodness, like that is that is the heart of love, wanting the absolute best, wanting the fullness that life has to offer. I think you see this in our brother, Paul, who wrote this letter. Like, this is not just a group of strangers that he's, he's talking to. Like, this isn't just some some church that's, like, distant from him. Like, Paul loves this church. Like, he had, he had been with them. He knew them. He knew them by name. You see it as he's talking about a couple of the women that had had a difficulty. And he's saying, hey, come alongside of them. And then did you notice chapter 4, verse 1, he says, my brother, my sister, you whom I love and I long for. You're my joy, you're my crown. Paul, he's saying, hey, I want the fullness. I want the fullness of life for you. I want the fullness of everything that is available in God because he deeply cares and he deeply knows and he deeply longs for their flourishing. He desires an This is my desire, like when I think about preparing this word this morning, the fullness of life in God. Like, that's my heart for you, for our church. The fullness of life in God. Every every bit of goodness that is available in God. Every bit of transformation that can happen in Christ. I'm saying, I want for you, I want for me, I want for all of us. That is actually at the heart of what we're talking about this morning, a life that is Fully transformed. I, I, I want us to taste and I want us to see and I want us to experience fullness of life in Christ as a church. That's, that's at the heart of what we've been looking at the last three weeks. Full transformation. A heart, a mind, a body that is fully transformed into the person of Christ at its core. Like that's, that's what the Christian walk is, becoming more and more like Jesus Mo three weeks ago, if you remember, he introduced this idea of transformation. Two weeks ago, Dave talked about that internal transformation that happens. Last week, Brandon talked about that external transformation. And this morning, I want us to get to the pinnacle of transformation, the pinnacle of a life fully, fully in Christ, this side of eternity. Here's here's what I want us to do. I want us to look at a couple of these phrases that Paul says. You remember, I just, I just read it. He says, there is a peace of God, peace of God that transcends all understanding, that will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And the God of peace will be with you. Now, the question I've been asking myself this week, and I want us to ask this morning, do, do we posture ourselves Do do we pattern our life in such a way that it actually enables us to receive the full goodness of God that he has for us? Do, Do we put ourselves in the places? Do we posture our life? Do we have the rituals within our life that will actually mature us and transform us into the fullness of Jesus? Paul, he says, hey, I want everything that God has to offer for you. I want you to know it, I want you to taste it, I want you to experience it, I want you to walk in it. Now, you don't actually have to raise your hand, but how many of you have ever experienced an anxious thought? How many of you have, no, you don't have to, you can. I mean, but here's the reality, all of us would have our hands raised, right? How many of you struggle with worry? Ironically enough, I was a little anxious and a little worried about preaching out of Philippians 4 this week. I'm like, okay, Lord, you doing something there? Yeah, probably. How many of you, like, struggle to have this underlying default response of peace no matter the circumstances? We're gonna be talking about a transformation that happens in the life of a follower of Jesus that I think, honestly, most of the time, I don't think is, is really possible. Now, I'm not gonna like say that in church. Like, I'm not gonna be honest, you know. But that's how I live. I'm like, okay, Paul's words here, a peace that surpasses understanding, is that actually on the table for me? To experience and to know God in the way that Paul just described knowing and walking with God, is that is that on the table for me? Is that on the table for you? It's a rhetorical question. Yes is the answer. Like, yes. And I think sometimes we, we settle for so much less than God has for us. And I'm saying this out of a place of just genuine love for you. I'm saying this speaking to myself right here. I, I want every bit of goodness that God has. I want to know. I want to walk in. I want to understand that peace that surpasses understanding. Now, here's the thing: what we're getting ready to look at, Paul's not going to say, "Hey, here's here's like a three-step approach. Boom, boom, boom. You'll have it with five minutes a day. You know, you can attain peace." What Paul's getting ready to say, Paul's getting ready to unpack, is ultimately a radical reorientation around the way that we live. It's going to be a radical reorientation of our practices, of our patterns, of the way that we live. I think so often, and I do this, I'll say, man, I don't know why I'm struggling with blank, struggling with blank. And then then I'll look at my life and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm doing the things that I know I need to be doing in order to become the person that I wanna become. Now, here's the thing. All of this is with grace and mercy and love. Like, that is the backdrop from which everything that he shares. And I'm not a doctor, but I know depending upon the type of thing that you're dealing with, so depending upon the type of sickness, disease, uh, is really going to change the way that you approach it, right? So you're not going to treat a common cold the way that you are a very aggressive cancer. I had a friend who got a cancer diagnosis. And when they met with the doctor, they basically said, hey, we're coming at this from every possible angle. We're, deal- we're dealing with something pretty serious here. So we're going we're gonna to change your diet. We're coming at it with chemotherapy. We're going to train this habit. This habit. We're going to come at it from all of these different angles. Why? Because it's that serious. Now, Paul knows the battle we're in, right? You feel the battle we're in. This, this battle of the mind, this battle of the heart, that the, the, the enemy's coming after you, you, you probably felt it this morning on some level. Paul knows the seriousness of our condition. He says, hey, we're gonna come at this with a multifaceted attack, not just one way. We're gonna look at the patterns, the priorities, the practices of our life, and we're gonna say, hey, are the things that we're doing producing the life that we want? Here's how I want us to to understand how Paul is going to unpack this for us. This multifaceted approach to ultimately that deep work, like that deep work of the heart and soul that that God is after. So verse nine, read this with me. Verse nine, what does Paul say? He says, whatever you've learned, whatever you've received, whatever you've heard, whatever you've seen in me, put into practice. Practice put into practice. Hey, whatever you've seen, like whatever you've watched me do, whatever you've heard, whatever you've heard me teach, whatever, whatever you've learned as you've observed the way that I live, the things that we're getting ready to talk about, the things that Paul's gonna unpack for us, they, these aren't just things he's, he's talked about. These are ways that he's actually lived. And he's taken his cues from Jesus. He's looking at the life of Jesus who he's following. And Jesus, if you remember Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter seven, he says, hey, what's the wise person do? Puts these words of mine into practice, but not just the words of Jesus, the ways of Jesus. And that's what we're gonna look at this morning. See, we all train for different things. Like some of you, I know there's like a crew of CrossFit people here at the 11 o'clock and you, you train. You train to become stronger. You train to become better. And I'm wondering, I'm like, do we practice, do we we train ourselves in the ways of Jesus? Like, do we do the things that we know we need to do in order to become the type of people we want to become? Now, Paul, what he's going to do is he's going to give us some practices that are going to help us, I think if we live them out, reorient our life to the ways of Jesus in such a way that will bring about transformation that we want. Now, Paul, he wasn't using the language here of like spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices, but really that's, that's what he's getting at. If you've ever heard that term before, now a quick word here before we jump in on spiritual disciplines, like a little, little mini teaching. Spiritual disciplines, spiritual practices, I'll kind of use those terms interchangeably. The goal of this, this is anything you do, anything you do is you follow Jesus to imitate him. Prayer, worship, I could go on, anything you see Jesus doing and you imitate it, that's a spiritual discipline. And the discipline is not the goal in and of itself. Like, hear me say that. The discipline in and of itself is not the goal. It's what Paul's getting after here in Philippians chapter four. The practice, the things that you practice are a means to an end. Far too often when we talk about, we come in here and we're like, okay, I need to, I need to pray more. I need to worship more. No, 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 no. You have to understand the heart at which Paul is saying this. Life with God, the fullness of life in God is available to you. Here are some things. Here are some things that are going to help you experience and know God on this level. God himself is the goal. There's this idea in business, every system is perfectly designed to, the, to get the results it does. Every system, perfectly designed to get the results it does. Today, I, I don't want us to focus so much on the symptoms, but I want us to focus on the systems, the systems of our life, the habits of our life, the patterns of our life. Are we, are we patterning our life after the person of Jesus in order to become more like him? Are we patterning ourselves after the, the patterns of this world? Here's a definition of a spiritual discipline said much more eloquently than I would ever be able to. This is Dallas Willard's definition amazing, amazing man of God. He says this. All right, it's up there. He says, The disciplines are activities of mind and body purposefully undertaken to bring our personality and total being, total being into effective cooperation with the divine order. They enable us more and more, listen to this, to live in a power that is strictly speaking beyond us, deriving from the spiritual realm itself, okay? So it's placing your full being in the presence of God through a number of different ways. Placing the entirety of your heart, soul, mind, strength. It is, it is placing the fullness of yourself. It's not giving God a, a part of who you are. It's like, oh, you can have my mind, but you can't have my heart. It's no, you can have my heart, you can have my mind, you can have my strength. This is a whole life, whole body endeavor. Think about this. Enable us to live in a power that is beyond us. Think about what Paul just said in Philippians 4. A peace that surpasses our what? Understanding. A power that's beyond us. Now, I want us to look at these practices. We're gonna look at four of them this morning. These aren't all of them. These are just four that are right here in Philippians chapter four. Let's look at the first one. It is found in verse four. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. The first practice on the path of transformation and peace is worship. You're like, really? Worship? Like, we do it every week. I understand it. This word here in Philippians 4, it can be translated as hail, like all hail King Jesus, the song we sing. You have to remember, Paul Paul isn't saying something that they don't already No, but he's inviting them into a deeper level of understanding of the thing that they know they need to do. He's saying, there is something that happens within the recesses of your heart in worship. He's saying, I I want you to enjoy this gift from God. Worship, it is a gift to worship God, to encounter God in worship. It is a gift that is not only for him, it's for us. The things that happen in the place of worship the space that it opens up in our hearts and our minds. I love how Psalm 149, verse five describes it. It says, let those who worship him rejoice in his glory. To rejoice in his glory. Like, think about that. What does that mean? Meditate on that. To rejoice in his glory. How many of you describe a time of worship as rejoicing in his glory? I would love it if, Y'all leave the 11 o'clock and someone's like, hey, what were you just doing? It's like, I was rejoicing in the glory of the Lord. Like, you gotta come to Ethos with me. What's our expectation of what happens? Heart, soul, mind, strength. when When we praise him with our lips, you add music to it or you're by yourself walking at Radnor Lake and we're just worshiping. Oh, Lord, thank you for this. Thank you for this. Wow, your goodness. Something is happening in the recesses of our hearts that is going to transform us from the inside out. Paul knows this, it's what he's inviting us into. Richard Foster, in his book, Celebrations of Discipline, says this about worship, he says, forms and rituals do not produce worship, nor does the disuse of forms and rituals. We can use all the right techniques and methods, we can have the best possible liturgy, but we we have not worshiped The Lord, until spirit touches spirit, until God touches and frees our spirit, we cannot enter this realm. Singing, praying, praising, all may lead to worship, but worship is more than any of them. Our spirit must be ignited by the divine fire. A spirit ignited by the divine fire. Fire. I don't know about you, but I'm hungry to have a spirit that's ignited by the divine fire. And I think there is more on the table for us, Ethos Church. There is more on the table for you with life in God than we could ever fathom or imagine. It is beyond our comprehension. The question is, do we believe it, one, and are we posturing ourselves, Heart, body, soul, mind. Are we putting ourselves in the place to receive all that God has for us? To be a soul ignited by the fire of God. Jesus, he tells us, hey, you're gonna experience the same, the same power that raised me from the grave. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us. When we come with a heart of worship, do we expect to experience the resurrected power of King Jesus. Do we expect to rejoice in his glory? Because his glory has broken into our midst. Man, may may that be what we taste and see. Like the glory of God breaking into our midst, igniting a fire in our soul that only he can light. All right, the second practice. That's number one, worship. Second practice, we'll see in verse five. It says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Now, this would not be found on any like classical or traditional list of spiritual disciplines or practices, but it is certainly something you see Jesus doing. That's all spiritual discipline is anyway. Like anything you see in scripture that Jesus is doing and you imitate it and you do it, spiritual discipline. It's what you see Jesus doing with the woman at the well. I'm gonna name this spiritual discipline the discipline of compassion, number two. The spiritual discipline or practice of compassion. Now, Paul, what he's doing here is he's encouraging these believers and their heart posture towards towards each and every person they interact with. So this is an outward facing practice because when he says, hey, the Lord is near, he's actually referencing an early church, New Testament phrase saying, hey, the Lord is coming, Maranatha. Come, Lord, come. So he's saying, hey, make sure the way that you're living towards towards others is a reflection of what I've done in your life. So to be gentle is to be humble, to be to be even tempered, to be compassionate towards others. I was thinking just this week, okay, you're inviting us into this practice, Paul, that's going to transform us from the inside out. What is a practical way that we can actually do that this week? And here's the thing that was bubbling up to the surface of my heart, empathetic listening. So you're gonna have a lot of conversations this week. You're gonna interact with a lot of people. How can you practice compassion with the people you interact with? Empathetic listening. So every time you're getting ready to have a conversation with someone, when you can remember, try, try to listen with an empathetic heart and empathetic spirit. Try, try not to come to that conversation with a, maybe a, a bias or a prejudgment, but just listen for the sake of listening. Don't worry about what you're gonna say. Just listen with a heart of compassion for whatever that person is saying and whatever that person is going through. Now, like any of the disciplines, any of these spiritual practices, this is not like some guilt trip thing. This is an invitation into a level of transformation that is gonna transform you from the inside out. I love the fact that, that neuroscience and neurobiology is actually reinforcing some of the things that we see in scripture makes sense, right? Kurt Thompson, he's a psychiatrist, wrote the book, Anatomy of the Soul. He wrote this. Now listen to this. Think about what we just, what we just looked at, this practice of compassion. Looking, looking at others, listening to others with this empathetic lens, listen to what he says. He says, an important part of how people change, not just their experiences, but also their brains, is through the process of telling their stories to an empathetic listener, When a person tells her story and is truly heard and understood, both she and the listener undergo actual changes in the brain circuitry. They feel a greater sense of emotional and relational connection, decreased anxiety, and greater awareness of the compassion and compassion for others' suffering. Fascinating, right? I I read that this week and I was like, wow, Paul. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, giving us insight on something that's not only going to transform us, but transform others in the deepest inner recess of our hearts and of our minds. How often do you read the scriptures and, and you look at it and you're like, okay, this is a set of rules to be followed. Like I've, I've got to follow these set of rules in, in order to receive goodness or mercy from God when really all along. God has given us his word. He's given us these words from Philippians. For our flourishing, for the flourishing of others. And God has done this for millennia, way before science has been able to ever back it up. Pretty incredible, right? So number one, the practice of worship. Number two, the practice of compassion. Let's look at number three, verse six. Practice number three, we'll see it in verse six. Do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Now, I'll be honest, like I struggled with how to parse this out because there is so much here, so much goodness. You've probably heard this verse a lot of different ways. But I'm gonna kind of group it all within one bucket with the practice of prayer. There's so many facets to prayer. So third third practice, the practice of prayer. Paul, I love the fact that he doesn't ignore the realities of every human experience. Like this, this isn't someone who's like far off lofty, who, who hasn't struggled with anxious thoughts himself. Like he's actually writing this letter from prison. We're not, we're not getting these words from, from just a theologian. We're getting these words from a practitioner. He's experienced the reality of these words. He knows the reality of these words and he longs for these people who he loves to know the fullness of life in Jesus. And we see it in these words here. Paul, he doesn't ignore the reality. He says, hey, you're gonna have anxious thoughts. Let those anxious thoughts be a signal of the place you should go. He says, hey, you have an anxious thought. Head to that place of prayer first and foremost every single time. Paul knows, he's experienced it, he's writing from this place where he, he, he knows and understands prayer is the place of exchange. It's, it's the place of exchange where when we feel anxious and worried, what, what does Paul know to do? Because he's felt anxious, he's felt worried. He said it earlier in Philippians, Philippians. Philippians, that's another book. It's in the book of Maccabees, no, um, He's, he knows this. He knows what it is to experience worry and anxiety. He says, Hey, don't hesitate. Don't hesitate to go to God, no matter what it is, no matter when it is, no matter whether you feel like it or not. Go to that place of prayer. He knows prayer is the place that change actually happens. Prayer is is the central avenue that God transforms us. Yet I think, and I'll be honest here for a moment, so, so often, prayer's not the first place I go, it's kind of the last resort that I'll head to after I've tried to figure it out on my own. After I've tried to come up with a solution, after I've tried to navigate the situation, then I'll go to that place of prayer. And Paul, with all this love in his heart, he says, brothers and sisters, There there is a place of abundance of peace on the table. There is a place that you can go in order to receive the peace that surpasses understanding. He's like, you have to put it into practice. You have to do the things that you know to do. So he says, hey, when you feel an anxious thought bubbling up, boom, go to God in prayer. Hey, you feel it again, go to God in prayer. Hey, another worry comes your way, go to God in prayer. Meet him in that place. Tell him what's on your heart. I love the scriptures. It says, 1 Peter chapter five, verse seven, it says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I think sometimes the reason that I don't actually cast my anxiety on him is because I don't actually think that he cares for me. Like, "Do do you care about this? And here's the thing, and I wanna tell you this morning, he cares about everything and anything that's on your heart. Like, whatever's on your heart, bring it to him. Anytime, every time, no matter how big, no matter how little, He cares, He knows, and He wants you to. If you're sitting there and you're thinking, Okay, great prayer, really big bucket. I don't even know what it means to pray. Like, I don't even know what it looks like to pray. Well, let me just tell you, first and foremost, you're in really good company because Jesus's first disciples, they said the very same thing to Jesus. They said, Jesus, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray, Jesus. Now, these are people who had been praying, a lot of them, for the majority of their life, right? They they had known what it meant to pray, and there's something that they saw in Jesus, the way that he prayed, the quality of his prayer, the quantity of his prayer, and they said, there is something that you know, there is something you've tasted in God that we wanna know, that we wanna see. You see, real prayer, it's something that we learn. It's not something we know. I'll be honest, like, I am not a great prayer. Like, it's not like, is that a thing, a prayer? Yeah, I'm not a great prayer. But man, I have been around people who know the Lord and love to pray, and there's something that it just sparks in me where I'm like, I wanna know God like you know God. Like, I wanna learn to pray like you, like you pray. And you know what I do? I just put myself around them. I, I bug them to death by just being in their presence. I'm like, can I pray with you? Can I I spend time around you? Some of the ways that I've learned to pray the most has been by being around Jen and Corey Barnett. If you don't know Jen and Corey Barnett, man, their heart for prayer is contagious. You get around them and you're like, okay, yes. There is a place of deep transformation in God that I have not yet experienced in prayer, and I want that. Some of you are like, okay, great. Jen and Corey, I, I don't have a Jen and Corey. Yes, you do. They help lead prayer gathering every Sunday night at 5 p.m. Not, not tonight, unfortunately, I know. I was like, it's Memorial Day. There's not prayer gathering tonight, but next, next week. Seriously, if you're longing, like if you're hungry for more of God through prayer, don't leave that place every morning discouraged because you've, you feel like you're not connecting with his heart. The past two months have been some of the driest personal prayer times that I've had by myself. The past two months have also been some of the most fruitful, life-giving, enriching, glory-filled prayer times I've had communally. Don't, don't be discouraged when you think, oh man, this just doesn't work for me. Put yourself around people and put yourself in places where you will catch the flame within someone else's heart within someone else's mind legitimately do whatever you can do to put yourself around people who love and thrive and are flourishing in their prayer life take a step whatever that means for you like take a step sign up for a grow class there's two grow classes on prayer we're offering this summer it is the place of deep transformation and then he says, he says, do so with thanksgiving, which I love, I love this. We talked about it a few weeks ago, but it's too good not to hit on again, this idea of thanksgiving and gratitude. There's all sorts of studies out there now that are connecting the dots and the power of gratitude and thanksgiving. Studies have shown that the brain can't respond to anxiety and gratitude at the same time. It has to respond to one or the other. Pretty wild, right? Paul writing this, inspired by the power of the Holy Spirit, leading us into a practice that we know is good because it's in Scripture, but it's also being backed up by neuroscience of the day. Now, here's a couple practical things. If you're like, I'm just not a grateful person, here's a couple of ways you can practice gratitude this week. Find beauty and simply pause to enjoy it. Like, you're walking at Radnor, it's like, just the like whatever it is, like, pause to actually enjoy it. You're at a meal with friends, and you're just like, just enjoying the meal. Like, you're just enjoying good food. Like, pause to enjoy it. You find yourself, you know, looking, for those of you who are parents looking at a child, and I, there's times and moments where I see my kid, and I'm like, you're annoying, and there's other times when I see my kid, and I'm like, I love you, like, I love pause. Pause to enjoy it. Keep a gratitude journal. Sorry, I said that about you, son. Um, keep a gratitude journal. I used to do this. I need to do it again. Maybe this is what I'm gonna do this week. First thing I would do every morning, write three things down that I was thankful for. It's amazing how something that simple can change your perspective and trajectory of your day. So in, in, instead of Boom, phone, scroll, newsfeed. Don't start there. Don't start there. Start your day in gratitude. Start your day in prayer. Okay, so practice number one, practice number two, practice number three worship, compassion, prayer. Number four, we're going to hit it quick. Let's look at verse eight. Y'all hang with me here. Y'all awake? All right, cool. There's a few of you. All right, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Okay, practice number four. Here's what I'm gonna call it. I'm just gonna say practice number four that leads to a deeply transformed life is meditation. See, God has given you a mind. He has given us a powerful, powerful tool to connect with him. Now, I'm not talking about, I think some of us go to like the idea of Eastern meditation. Christian meditation is different than Eastern meditation. Eastern meditation is about kinda of just fully emptying yourself. Christian meditation, as we see as we see in the scriptures, is about filling yourself with him and his goodness. The mind is a powerful thing. Our thought life, The way that you think controls way more about who you are and who you are becoming than you will ever, I think, realize this side of eternity. Like, the way that you think about people, the way that you think about your circumstances, just your everyday thought life controls way more than we ever, I think, give it credit for. Now, Paul, he knows this. He says, hey, I want the fullness of life in God for you. I want everything that God has to offer. I'm gonna invite you to use that mind to experience the fullness of life. And Jesus, we're gonna go back to our boy Foster here again. He says this. He says, in contemporary society, our adversary majors in three things, noise, hurry, and crowds. If he can keep us engaged in the muchness and manyness, he will rest satisfied. Psychiatrist. Carl Jung once remarked, hurry is not of the devil, it is the devil. If we hope to move beyond the superficialities of our culture, including our religious culture, we must be willing to go down in the recreating silences into the inner world of contemplation. How often do you slow down and meditate on the goodness of God? How often do you slow down enough to even take an internal barometer of how you're feeling and why you're feeling that way? See, the, the, the enemy knows our mind is a powerful tool, but he also knows it's the battlefield for which war is getting waged. And if we will, if we will surrender our heart, soul, mind, strength to him, there is a level of transformation that is on the table that My heart is that each and every one of us steps into it. Our thought life has way more implications than we realize. Take an inventory this week of your thought life. Like think, literally jot down the ways that your mind thinks about things. What do you often most most turn to? What do you spend the most time thinking about? I love what Romans 12 verse two says. Hey, you're gonna be transformed by the renewing of your Mind That's right. Jesus had the audacity to add to the Shema, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Where does the practice of slowing and meditating fall within your daily and weekly rhythms? All right, here's how I'm gonna end. Just talking about the fact that we will we will rearrange our schedules for a lot of things. Like, we will rearrange our life for a lot of things. Like I see people rearrange their life for travel sports in ways that I just can't even comprehend. I will rearrange my Wednesday nights to watch Survivor with my wife in ways that are just silly, like... On one hand, I'm like, ha ha, but I'm like, on another hand, I'm like, survival, survivor, like being the pinnacle of my week. Lord, there's more. (laughs) You orient your life, you pattern your life around the things that are important to you. And I, I stand here this morning, I'm like, guys, girls, friends, brothers, sisters. I want the fullness of life in God for you, for me, for our church. Will you you reorient your life? Will we step into a reorientation of the patterns, practices, and priorities of our life this week? Now, here's how I want us to go to the table and do this this morning. I want you to think about just, just one place One place this morning where you need to make an exchange. You know, we looked at these practices that Paul invites us into that leads to a deep, transforming life. We looked at the practice of worship. We looked at the practice of compassion. We looked at the practice of prayer. We looked at the practice of meditation. What practice do you need to implement in your life this week? What, what, what place do you need to make an exchange? Do you need to let go of maybe an evening of, of, of binging Netflix, guilty, and replace it with a time of prayer? Maybe you need to, to let go and exchange a morning routine that's, that's filled with social media and to-do lists. There it is, there's the spiritualness coming in. There it is. Been waiting on you, Dale. Just kidding. But really, like where's where's the place you need to make an exchange? One thing. This is not a oh, walk out of here with this grand to-do list. I've got to make sure these practices are in my life. No, you're missing the entire heartbeat of what we looked at in Philippians chapter 4. It really does help every time. I'm like, man, it just feels so much more spiritual when that's going. Um <laughs> Where does God have more for you? Where does God have more for you? Have you been settling for less? Have you been maybe giving into a pattern that you know continues to produce anxiety and worry and you say, I know, I know there's a better way, but I haven't yet been able to make it. And this week, it's the week that you make it. You exchange that pattern for a practice in the way of Jesus. Doesn't have to be grand, doesn't have to be big, take a step. What exchange do you need to make this morning? What exchange of practices do you need to, to live into this week? Let me pray for us and we'll head to the table, talk about that as, as, as family. So Father, we, we come to you knowing that there is, there is so Much more in you and through you than we will ever be able to comprehend this side of eternity. We we know one day we will will experience it. We will know it. But until then, we want to walk in its fullness. Every every bit that you have for us, all the fullness of you, God, we want to walk in. God, we want to give you our worry. We want to give you our anxiety. We want to to give you the things that are out of our control. I'm going to say, God, we need your peace. We need your peace that surpasses understanding. Will you help us to walk with this posture of surrender? Help us to let go of the places and patterns we need to let go of so that we can grab hold of the person and the patterns of you, Jesus. We know that's where life is found, the abundant full life, it's on the table for us. But we realize, I just realize right now in this moment, like we're waging war against an enemy. We're waging war against a world that is coming in direct opposition of the thing that we long for. So Jesus, by your power, by your goodness, by your spirit, will you do what only you can do? And Jesus, it's in your name I pray. And together as a whole church, we say amen. Hey, let's go to the table this morning. Got communion, got the juice and the bread. As we take the, the bread, which represents the, the body of Jesus, as we drink the cup, which represents the blood of Jesus, let's make that exchange. Let's share those places we need to give to God in order to get something from him. I love you all. If you wanna pray, if you wanna talk, there'll be men and women who are at the respond banner. Love to talk and pray.